one million years from now, will it really matter that you were a great athlete? Will it really matter that you earned a college degree? Will it really matter that you drove a nice car and you lived in the nice house? Will it really matter that you socked away a large retirement account? Will it really matter that you were a success in your profession? And will it really matter that your favorite team won a championship? Listen, one million years from today, the only thing that will really matter is this. Are you in heaven? And if you are, then how many people did you actively seek to bring with you? If you're a believer, then you need to know that one day you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for your life. You will give an account for the priorities that shaped your life. Do you think your response to the Kingdom 50 challenge will matter on that day? Of course, I'm talking about praying for the lost, inviting them to come to church, and having gospel conversations with them. You better believe it will matter on that day. I promise you, when you stand before the Lord, what we're doing right now, this emphasis that we have, this challenge that we have put out before the church, will matter greatly to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want you to hear how Jim and Martha Tisdale have incorporated evangelism into their lives. Jim and Martha, come up here on this center stage and, and join me right here. Jim, you want to be on the right or the left? Martha, won't you come over here? Probably needs to be on the right. I'm yeah. watch on the okay. left. Okay, all right. <laughs> hey, Jim, tell us how you have been actively engaged in sharing the gospel with the South Asian people here in the Carnival area. Well, certainly um, over the last two or three years, three or four years, we've been doing Backyards Kids Club. And during that period of time, you know, we've had certainly opportunities to uh, share the love of Christ uh, with the, the young kids as well as their parents that come. And we just decided this past uh, fall that instead of just doing it during the summertime, we uh, decided that we would do it during the fall time. So we had a now one. That's a novel idea. Yeah, we had a one-day uh, event uh, yeah. in the fall, and uh, so we had like 130 something like that uh, people come. So it was just it was an awesome success, and we just began to build those relationships Amen. along the way and God opened up the door that we could actually uh, during Christmas time uh, join some of some Asian believers that were going out and uh, singing Christmas carols uh, to uh, some of the uh, the local Indian people that do not know Christ and we had the opportunity to not only sing Christmas carols uh, at these people's home we also had the opportunity to actually uh, share uh, the gospel message with them. So uh, at each place that we went to, it was about 10 places on Saturday and a few more on Sunday, uh, we had the opportunity to share uh, the gospel message. Amen. Thank you, Jim, for being involved in evangelism. And Martha, I believe you shared recently that the Lord compelled you to be a part of the Kingdom 50 Challenge. Tell us about that. Yes, sir. Um, several months ago, Jim and I decided to join the gym. It had been a while, and um, 
and soon after that, the church started. You challenged us with the Kingdom 50. And I began praying, you know, because we're all busy. And it seemed like adding going to the gym was just, uh, seemed to take a lot of time. And as I began to pray, I asked the Lord, you know, just seeking how he wanted me to be involved in, in uh, the Kingdom 50 challenge. And, and he began to tell me that, you know, it's as I go, I need to make disciples. Mm -hmm. I need to be on mission, Pastor. And so as I go to work out and go to the classes, I am intentional. I have a purpose mm -hmm. to develop relationships. I've had the opportunity because soon after that as well, Bob gave me one of these. How can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. And so I wore this on my jacket and I had several people with opportunities to begin to pray for them. And not only that, as I began to be intentional at trying to develop relationships, so it took a young lady out to lunch and shared the gospel using the Amen. three circles. Amen. And um, just, it's more being intentional as I go. And that's where the Lord has really burdened my heart. Amen. You know, and same thing when I wore this, going into Kroger's, um, you know, I could go in and out real quick, you know, mm -hmm. and not really focus much, but I was reminded, you've got this on. Yeah. You need to be available. And so as I went through Kroger's one day, I'll never forget, just trying to be focused on, Lord, I'm here for you. And uh, it wasn't until I got to check out. And the cashier looked up at me and she goes, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yes. And I, she said, you can pray for me. And right there, she stopped, and she began to tell me everything going on in her life. Wow. And she wanted to, no matter who was behind us, no matter the bagger, what was happening, she wanted me to stop and pray for her right then. Amen. And I have an opportunity as I go in to still continue to speak with her Amen. and develop a relationship. That is great, Martha and Jim. Thank you for sharing this uh, about evangelism, how to make evangelism real in your lives. Hey, can I say this? If you're a born-again believer, evangelism is an essential part of your ministry to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Do you realize that whether you have the gift of evangelism or not, you're still called upon by Jesus to actively share your faith, to pray for lost people, to invite them to come to church, and to have gospel conversations with them. So with that being said, I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, and I want to speak to you on the subject of evangelism. Paul, the great apostle and missionary, was in Corinth. Now, this city had about 450,000 residents. Um, it was dominated by idolatry, immorality, and intellectualism. Needless to say, it was a difficult place to share the gospel, and it was a difficult place to plant a Bible-believing church. In this text that we're going to look at today, there's an embedded truth that I want us to pay close attention to. Very simply, it is this. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. People in Kroger need the Lord. South Asians need the Lord. 
Americans need the Lord. Europeans need the Lord. Everybody needs the Lord. I, I, want, I want to point out to you today five key principles that will help you to make Jesus known to your relatives, your neighbors, your, your, your friends, your, your uh, co-workers, your acquaintances. And, and here's the first principle. Number one, abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Now, I think we would be safe to assume that Paul understood what it meant to abide in Jesus and that Paul was a believer who took that very seriously. You see, every believer longs to be obedient, who longs to be obedient in this matter of evangelism, must have a vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus. You understand that as a believer, by the way you live your life, by what comes out of your mouth, by the priorities that you establish, you are either showing people around you that Jesus is meaningful or Jesus is meaningless. One of the two. You're demonstrating that every day. Half-hearted, world-loving, carnal-minded church members hurt the cause of Christ and the church more than they help it. If this describes you, I would encourage you to do some serious soul searching this morning, whether you're in this room, whether you're watching live stream, Facebook live, however you've connected with us today. If, if, if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you to ask the Spirit of God to confirm in your heart whether you are truly born again, whether you're truly saved or not. Now, if you are saved, if the Spirit has given you that confirmation, then I want to challenge you to make it your goal to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in the year uh, 2022, but in every year that proceeds from that. This, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? It means that you really make much of your relationship with Jesus. It means that you spend time reading the Bible and allowing Jesus to speak to you through the Word. It means that you spend time praying where you talk to Him. You have a dialogue with Him. He speaks to you through the Word. You speak to Him through your prayer life. And it means that you seek to live a life of obedience that will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John 15, verses 7 and 8. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So principle number one of evangelism is this. Abide in Jesus. Develop a vibrant, growing relationship with him. Principle number two, conquer your fear. So Paul was in Corinth, and fear had slithered its way into his heart. Why was he afraid? I would imagine that he was staggered by the spiritual darkness that enveloped that city. Listen to his own admission of fear in his own words. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, aren't you more than a little surprised that Paul dealt with fear? C.B. Hogue said, the greatest enemy of witnessing is fear. Christian comedian Ken Davis tells the following story about fear. There was a Christian who got on a, a city bus and he walked all the way to the back seat of the bus and he sat down and he said, Lord, if you want me to speak to someone about you today, please give me a sign. At the very next stop, Somebody got on the bus, walked all the way to the back of the bus and sat down right by him and said to him, do you know anything about Jesus? <laughs> the Christian excuses himself for just a moment, bows his head and, and prays this prayer silently to the Lord. Lord, if you really want me to talk to this stranger, I need just one more sign. Please turn the bus driver into an armadillo. <laughs> what is it? that causes us to have so much fear when it comes to sharing our faith? Is it because we fear being rejected? Is it because we fear that we'll be asked a question and we won't have an answer? Fear is used by Satan to make us hesitant to share the gospel. I want you to see what Jesus said to Paul here in chapter 18 about fear. Beginning with verse, verse uh, 1, the Bible says, After these things he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and were being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So Paul received a vision of Jesus. And Jesus spoke very clearly to Paul. He said, do not be afraid 
any longer. And this is the Lord's word to us this morning. The Lord is saying to every born-again believer within the sound of my voice, do not be afraid when it comes to sharing your faith. Do not be afraid. We need to remember that there is an inherent power in the gospel itself. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the, the Greek. There's a power in the gospel that we share. What, a, what an important uh, thing that is for us to remember. Now, remember this, fear is the enemy of faith. Here's the major point today. People need the Lord. They need the Lord. It's up to us to make sure that these people who need the Lord have a chance to respond to the glorious good news of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we've sung about this morning. We're focusing on five principles today. The first one is this, abide in Jesus. The second one is this, conquer your fear. Now here's the third principle of evangelism. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. Sharing the gospel is not optional for us. We must share it in our neighborhoods, in the schools, in the workplace, on the golf course, at holiday celebrations, and everywhere we are. We must share the gospel clearly, and we must share the gospel truthfully. Jesus said to Paul in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, once again, and the Lord said to Paul in the night by vision, do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Now, Paul was super clear when he communicated the gospel to the Corinthians. In fact, take your Bible and let's look at a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church later on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse uh, one, well, beginning with verse three, Paul said, for I delivered to you as a first importance. Now, what does that mean? First importance, highest priority, the most important thing that Paul could ever communicate to the Corinthian church. For I delivered to you as a first importance, what I also received. Here, here's the gospel. You want to know what the gospel is? Here it is. Christ died for our sins. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. He became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in him. He died on the cross for your sins because he had no sins of his own. And he shed his blood to pay your penalty before a holy and righteous God and to absorb the wrath of God so that believers would not have to. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel. That he was buried. That's the second part. And here's the third part. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the good news that God has provided for a lost world that is in desperate need of salvation and Deliverance. There is no plan B. There is no plan B message. This is the message of the gospel. And we must never tamper with the gospel. Never, ever tamper with the gospel. This is the message. The same message that the church has been 
preaching and sharing for 2,000 years is the same message we should be sharing until Jesus comes again. People need the Lord. And that's exactly what Paul shared there in Corinth. Mark Cahill, Cahill said that every time you share the gospel, you will win. Every time you will win. Think about it. There can only be three responses when you share the gospel. Number one, people will believe in Jesus and be saved. Number two, a gospel seed would be planted in their heart that the Holy Spirit can water and fertilize and bring to fruit later on. Number three, they will reject Jesus. And you might be wondering, well, pastor, how in the world can rejection of Jesus turn in for a win for me? Well, listen to what this verse, these two verses say according to Jesus. Luke 6, and 23. Listen to them. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets you can't lose when you invite somebody to come to church you can't lose when you pray for a lost person you can't lose when you have a gospel conversation with someone so whatever don't be silent do not be silent when it comes to the most important message for this entire world, the message of the gospel. Now, here's the fourth principle. Trust in Jesus. Don't miss what the Lord said to Paul next. In Acts chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus said to him, for I am with you. Sounds like the Great Commission, doesn't it? Jesus, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Can you imagine how Paul must have been blessed by these words that Jesus spoke into his life and his heart in that vision? For I am with you. And you say, well, pastor, that's great for Paul. But what about me? Can Jesus be with me? Now listen to this verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. You know what Jesus promised his disciples in the first century and his disciples in the 21st century? He promised every disciple, regardless of the century that they live in, that he would be with them through the Holy Spirit of God. Do you realize if you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you? Your body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Almighty God and His full complement of power is available to you through the Spirit of the living God. In the book of Acts, the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit is, is used at least 14 times. And when people were filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, you know what they did? They shared the gospel. They prayed. 
They were on, on uh, mission for Jesus in his kingdom. Jesus has blessed every believer with the same power that he gave Peter, James, and John right there in the first century. You have the same Holy Spirit. He is the one who convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He is the one who shows a lost person who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to save them. He is the one who draws them to Jesus to be saved. You can't save anybody. That's the work of the Spirit of God through your witness. Now listen, why should you be intimidated? Why should I be intimidated? Why should we be paralyzed by fear? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Jesus even promised Paul that he would not endure the physical hardships that he had had endured in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. He said, nobody's going to harm you. Man, what good news that must have been to Paul. This great apostle trusted the Lord as he carried out his evangelistic ministry. And I want you to know, that's exactly what we've got to do. Listen, there can be no question about the fact that every Christian is called to be evangelistic. Every Christian. Wouldn't it be a shame to stand before the Lord Jesus one day as a believer, having never shared the gospel with anyone? Wow. You know, I've often wondered, the Bible says in Revelation that God's going to wipe every tear from our eye. I just wonder if when we stand before Jesus at the Bema Seat Judgment as believers, and he reviews our life and our priorities and our actions and our words, I'm just wondering if there won't be a few tears shed at the judgment seat of Christ because of our, our failure to be who he called us to be and to do what he called us to do. I want to encourage you. You can be evangelistic. You can pray for lost people by name. You can invite them to church. You can have a gospel conversation with them. Just the way Jim and Martha's had gospel conversations with people. You can do the same thing. Just the way Ainsley Jones did in our video. You can do this. Listen, people need the Lord. We've looked at, at four principles so far. Abide in Jesus. Number two, conquer your fear. Number three, share the gospel. Number four, trust in Jesus. And number five, the last one. Know God's purpose. K-N-O-W. God's purpose. Look at verse 10 again, Acts 18, 10. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. Look at the last part. For I have many people in this city. Now, this was a pagan city. And the Lord Jesus says to him, I've got many people in this city. You just don't know about them yet. There were people that Jesus was going to save in that city. And Jesus knew ahead of time that he was going to save them through the gospel ministry of the apostle Paul. What an encouragement this must have been for him. You see, Jesus wanted Paul to know that God's desire is to save people, not to judge people 
and to send people away from him into a devil's hell. Listen, have you ever thought about the idea that when somebody is saved, God the Father gives that, that saved person to his son as a gift? Take your Bible. I'm memorizing some verses here. In John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Oh, wow. Jesus said, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand i and the father are one what an incredible truth that the father who is greater than all has given believers as a gift to his son the lord jesus christ as i was memorizing that other day i started praying lord for this for the life of me i can't see myself as a gift to you but that doesn't erase the fact of what the Bible says, right? I want you to know, folks, there were people in the city of Corinth that God was going to save and give as a gift to his son. And he wanted Paul to know that. You know, it's important that we know the purpose of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, Paul later on would write to his son in the ministry, Timothy, and say this, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Listen, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the heart of God. Let me ask you, what, what if you were lost? And all the Christians you know witnessed the way you witnessed. How would you feel about that? Would you have much hope? Listen, dear believer, pray that your heavenly father will give you a heart like he has, a heart for the lost, desiring them to be saved. You know, there's something worse than being lost, and that's being lost and having nobody looking for you. Do you care? Do we care? Do we care about lost people? If you're a believer here today, I want you to know that people need the Lord. Republicans need the Lord. Democrats need the Lord. I want you to know parents need the Lord. Children need the Lord. Old people need the Lord. Young people need the Lord. Heterosexuals need the Lord. Homosexuals need the Lord. Capitalists need the Lord. Socialists need the Lord. I want you to know that the rich need the Lord and the poor need the Lord. Everybody needs the Lord. People need the Lord. We must make sure that our relatives, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, even our casual acquaintances hear the truth about Jesus. And every one of us who names the name of Jesus, every one of us who had been born again must adopt these five principles of evangelism 
and incorporate them into our evangelistic ministry. What are they? Abide in Jesus, conquer your fear, share the gospel, trust in Jesus, and know God's purpose. So believers, I'm asking you today to take a step of faith. By the way, that's the only way you'll ever be able to please Jesus is to walk by faith. He says so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And I'm asking you to take a step of faith. And I'm asking every believer within the sound of my voice to commit that between now and Easter Sunday that you will pray for lost people, that you will invite people to come to church, and that you will ask the Lord to give you the privilege of having gospel conversations with those who need the Lord. Will you make that commitment today? I hope and pray you do. In just a moment, I'm going to invite our staff to come, our worship team to come, and I'm going to ask you to come to this altar as a believer and lift before the Lord's throne the names of lost people that you've been praying for or you're concerned about and ask God to save them. Hey, that's his heart. He wants them to be saved, right? Why don't we just agree with God and ask him by faith to save their souls? Come to this altar and pray for them. Come to this altar and pray that God would help you to take this seriously. That God would prepare you for that day when you stand before the Lord Jesus in glory and give an account for your life and your priorities and, and what you did and what you didn't do. Ask him to do that. And then if you're here today and the, the Holy Spirit has quickened your heart about your own salvation and he's convicted you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, I want to invite you to come to Jesus today. You mean, Pastor, I can get saved in this service? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you mean, Pastor, I can talk to someone and they can explain the gospel to me? Absolutely. You say, well, Pastor, what do I have to do? Here's what you do. Listen, you just leave your seat when we start singing in just a moment, you leave your seat, you come to one of our staff members and just tell them, today I want to be saved. And we'll take you from there. I'll tell you, it'll be the greatest day of your life. It will be a destiny-defining day in your life. Oh, I encourage you to come. Or maybe God's spoken to you about your baptism. Maybe your baptism is on the wrong side of your salvation. You notice here in chapter 8 of, of Acts chapter 18 that the Bible says that the Corinthians believed and were baptized. They weren't baptized and then believed. They believed and then they were baptized. That order is never reversed in the New Testament. And maybe God's speaking to your heart about getting your baptism on the right side of your salvation. I would encourage you to come and just speak that into the, into the ear of one of our staff members. I'm going to ask our staff to come right now, our worship team to come. And I encourage you to do exactly what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you 
I thank you for the clarity of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would move in our hearts and move us to obedience. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We praise you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.